Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today's topic is the restoration of all things reverence part two. Our speaker today is Pastor Sunday Adu. To God be the glory. I want to welcome you all to the presence of the Lord, both on site and online. I want you to know that the same anointing that is present in this auditorium is with you where you are. You know, by divine ordination, uh, I'm here to attend to an unfinished business started on the crossover night. Uh, 2022 into 2023. If you were here then, I announced that I would be starting a series that day. Um, but since then, I've not been able to continue. Well, by the grace of God, I'm going to make sure that I finish the series before the end of the year. So I'm going to be doing the part two of that message. Don't forget everything has been ordered by the Lord. So I'm going to be ministering on the restoration of all things, reverence, part two. Reverence, part two. Right? How we need help here. This thing is too low for me. Right, so I, I need I need it to be adjusted a little. It's a little low for me. I don't forget I'm a tall man. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. A little. Yes. So I'm going to be taking you through uh, the book of Malachi, Malachi 1 to 4, the restoration of all things, reverence, part 2. And according to Acts chapter 3, verse 21, we are in the times of restoration of all things, particularly those things the Lord has spoken through the mouth of his prophets. And then I said, you know, restoration. And by the way, you know, if you have not heard the part one of that message, I had the message again yesterday and on YouTube. Very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So I would, you know, advise that you go there. Just type government house of hope. Uh, crossover night, and that will take you there. So I recommend that you listen to that again. I defined restoration then as the return and reclamation of some kingdom intangible virtues lost by the church that has robbed her of actualizing the dominion mandate. 
don't forget uh, this is the month of total dominion. So we have dominion mandate from the Lord that we have to reclaim as a church. And God is set to reestablish these virtues one after the other to make the church whole again. To make the church full of life, beautiful, penetrating, attractive, and compelling again. The word of God says that the mountain of the lost temple shall be exalted above the mountains and above the hills and nations will flow in. November 6, 2022, I had this message from the Lord that if you do everything else with irreverence for me, it is nothing. Because reverence is the key to revival and full restoration. When you get this right, everything else will fall in place. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, I'm not going to do much of exegesis today because uh, I don't have enough time, right? I only have two Sundays, and so I'm going to speak thematically, and I pray that the Lord will give you understanding. So I'm just going to quote the scriptures and give you a little commentary about, you know, that test, and I believe that should suffice for now. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 the Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. From the New King James, A son honors his father, and a servant is master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? That means reverence is something that God demands for. Says the Lord of hosts to you, priests who despise my name. Don't forget we are priests unto the Lord. Yet you say, in what way? Have we despised your name? There's nothing like the presence of the Lord and the saints of old treasure the presence of the Lord dearly. In fact, Moses said, Lord, if your presence will not go with me, I'm not going anywhere. And David also, David also said that he quest for the presence of the Lord. But not only do they recognize the presence of the Lord, they knew how to approach the presence of God. They knew how to approach the presence. They treasured the presence. Not only that, they knew how to approach the presence of the Lord. They knew the path to his presence, his reverence. And listen to this. The evidence that shows to God that the treasure is presence is reverence for him. And that is the hallmark of revival. That's why he was telling the children of Israel, you call me, you know, father, where is my honor? Said, I'm your dad, I'm your father, but you don't honor me. 
You don't honor me by mouth. You honor me with your deeds. Conversely, one sure evidence of backsliding is irreverence. Never forget that. One sure evidence of backsliding is irreverence for God, which manifests itself in illicit behaviors. Just behaving erratically, you'll be doing whatever you like in the presence of God. God demands reverence and does not condone irreverence from those that draw near him. Never forget that. He does not condone irreverence from those that draw near him. Leviticus chapter 10, 1 to 3. God said there, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. So that means the more you know God, the more you reverence him. I want to repeat that. The more you know God, the more you reverence him. I want to repeat that. The more you know God, the more you reverence him. So if you claim to know God and you reverence him less, it shows that you are backsliding. You're backsliding. Irreverence is a great burden to God and his messengers. The prophets were men who personally felt the burden of the Lord. That's one of the signs of the prophetic. If you are operating in the prophetic, God gives you a burden. It's like a weight on your spirit. You look at what is happening around you and you're concerned. There is that burden, there is that weight on your spirit. That shows that God, God needs you. God has an assignment for you. The burden of the Lord, as God gave them insight into the hearts of the people and the problems of the society. And such was Malachi, a post-exilic prophet, whom God gave a burden concerning the spiritual state of Israel. And you know that Malachi was, you know, the last, the last, you know, Minor prophet. After that, we have the intertestamental period through which we cross into the synoptic gospel. And so he was telling the children of Israel, post-exilic, that their spiritual state is very terrible and God is concerned about how they live. So it started with Malachi 1.1, the burning of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. The burning of the word of the Lord, the weight of the word of the Lord to Malachi about the state of Israel. And you look at the nature of that burning, is the burning between what the Lord says and what the people say. We're going to look at that now. The burden between what the Lord says and what the people say. In other words, God was speaking and they were speaking too. I think that's one of the issues we have today. We talk a lot. You know, we don't want to obey easily. 
the word that is so peculiar to us in this generation is why. Because go, go and do this, why? And we're relishing that. It, it shows that, yeah, you know, we're intelligent. As good as that is, sometimes it is a liability in the realm of the spirit. Because sometimes most of what God says, you cannot process cerebrally. It won't make sense. If you want everything God says to make sense to you, you won't advance in the realm of the spirit. If you want God to explain everything to you before you obey, you won't advance in the realm of the spirit. That's why the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. So it's the burden between what God says and what the people say. The Bible says, that is what the Lord says, but you say. And having the audacity to reply against God is the sheave of all sacrileges. And unfortunately, that's the problem we have today. God says to this man, will I look? The man who have a humble and a contrite spirit that trembles at my word. Today, we don't tremble at God's word anymore. We don't have a humble and a contrite spirit. We ask questions from God. Yeah, God will always answer our questions, but there are some questions that are unnecessary. So it was a low time in Israel, particularly in Judah. And God sent Malachi to them to warn them on his behalf. He gave them six indictments. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. Six. Call those things the sin of the saints. Because those things that we're reading, we're reading a full time for our learning. So Malachi was called to perform a difficult and dangerous task. And that task just to rebook the people for their sins against God. Not only were they sinning against God, they were sinning against one another. And God was concerned. So Malachi took a wise approach, an interrogative, you know, approach. Ask them questions. Listen to their questions. And give them God's opinion. And what I'm going to be sharing with you right now is what, what is called, the theologians called, the sin of the saints. What an oxymoron, you know. A paradoxical statement when you say it is the sin of the saints. A saint should be somebody who doesn't commit sin. I have the sin of the saints. In fact, this scholar Warren Wesby said it very profound. I wanted to, you know, look at the screen and let's go 
look at this together. It said the sins of the saints are worse. Because when believers sin, they not only break the law of God, but they break the heart of God. It's not the sin of the sinners, because, you know, it is the nature of sinners to sin. But when you say you are a saint and you are sinning, then you're breaking the heart of God. So the sin of the saints are worse because when believers sin, they not only break the law of God, they break the heart of God. And when a believer deliberately sins, it isn't just the disobedience of a servant to a master or the rebellion of a subject against a king. It's the offense of a child against the loving father. The sins we cherish and things we get away with bring grief to the heart of God. Low time in Israel. And Malachi gave them six things they were doing against God. Number one, and we want to learn from those things. Number one, doubting God's love. Doubting God's love. Malachi, when, went to five. The burning of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, <laughs> I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? God was speaking. They were speaking. In what way have you loved us? Was not Esau, Jacob's brother, says the Lord. Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness. And the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. They came to a point in their journey and their relationship with God that they doubted his love. So God said, well, I love you with an everlasting love. He said, Lord, you don't love us. You know why? Because they have reduced the relationship of God to them to their need. Let me say this. If you measure your relationship with God 
based on what you want to receive from him alone. You won't advance. If you measure the love of God based on what you want from him alone, you won't advance. I think we sang a song on, on Friday. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, I do. But you have to remember that there is no greater love. No greater love. When you become a believer, you have been initiated into the perfect love of God. No greater love than these that, than a man laid down his life for his friend. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Begotten Son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest love that God will ever show to mankind is sending his only begotten Son for the sake of the world. Let me read Romans. 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 Romans chapter 8. I told you I'm, going, I'm not going to be doing SJs today, but I'm just going to be running some commentaries here. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Look at 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? <laughs> no greater love. What else do you want God to show you? Go through Malachi. You know, when they ask that question, God, 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 where is your love for us? You know what he did? He said, look, 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 look. You, I love you, but Esau, the firstborn, I hated. What else do you want? What belonged to Esau, I gave to you. How else, you know, do you want me to prove my love to you? Oh, my Lord. If God has sent his only begotten son... To take away your sin. And now you are measuring him. On the fact that you have no job. Because you don't have. A spouse yet. You think that he doesn't love you. But he sent his only begotten son. For your sake. Let's read on. Let's read on. 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, also reason. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness? Please, as I'm reading these things, you know, just conceptualize what you are going through. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, all right, nakedness, peril, or sword as it written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing like the love of God. Nothing. Do you love him? Do you love him? Is your love for him not going cold because of the issues of life? I want you to make up your mind that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Make up your mind. Look at me very well. I'm not a prophet of doom. Things are not going to get better. Things are not going to get better. The global economy is not going to get better. So if at this point you're losing your faith, I don't know what you are going to do are the jungles of Jordan. It's the time for you now to, to, to settle it in your heart. You, you, you have to come to that covenant place that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. That when the enemy throws that at you and says, oh, he loves me, Nonetheless, he's a good father. He gave Jesus for me. Then he can give me everything else. If he chooses to. And if he will not give it to me, he loves me. No, oh, hallelujah. Can I have a shout of hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. It is God's love that drives his plan. And no matter what, God will move his plan forward. Whether you believe or not. It is the love of God that drives his plan. Never doubt God's love. Never. Never doubt the Father's love. Never. Because the Father's love is everlasting. Look at the prodigal son. He spent everything in riotous living. And he came back to his father penitently and said, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. All right, please, do I have another place in your heart? The father said, you have always been mine. Uh, yeah, no, I, I remain your father. 
You were the one who wanted to try the world. Now you are back. I'm happy. Never doubt the Father's love. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. I'm sent to you. There are some of you, you can't even pray again. There are some of you, you don't even want to read the Bible any longer. Some of you, you have dropped the work the Lord has committed to, you, to your hand. You have dropped that. You have dropped your mandate. You have lost your drive. Because of these issues of life. Pick up your love for him again. You have dropped your first love. Yeah. In response to what people do to you. Pick up your love for him again. That is the solution to your problem. Pick up your love for him again. Let it go beyond the song you sing. A.W. Tozer said something. He said, well, there is something I've seen about the church. When people come to church, they lie. Huh? You know, you know how people lie when they come to church? I surrender all. And you have surrendered nothing. <laughs> I give my life away. So you. And they have given nothing away. <laughs> I love you more than anything, Lord. I love you more than life itself. I love you, Jesus. Huh? Are you sure? Never doubt God's love. His love is everlasting. Can I have a shout of amen to that? Amen. Help me preach it to somebody by your side and say, never doubt God's love. His love for you is everlasting. Oh, please help me preach it to somebody by your side again and say, never doubt God's love. He is your father. He loves you with the everlasting love. That is the sin of the saint. The first one, doubting God's love. Because of the issues of life. Doubting God's love. Number two. Dishonoring God's name. That's the second indictment. The sin of the saints. Dishonoring God's name. Malachi 1, 6 to 2, verse 9. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defied you? God was speaking. They were speaking. By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible, that is good for nothing. And when you offer the blind, take note of that. Over the blind as a sacrifice. Is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick. 
Is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Huh. That's an indictment. Offer it then to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Offer it to your governor. The other sin of the saint is offering to God what we cannot offer to the mortal man. Yeah. Another sin of the saints. Offering to God what we cannot offer to a mortal man. The way they were serving the Lord was a disgrace to his name. And eight times you will see God in that test talking about his name in 1 6, 1 11, 1 14, 2 2, 2 5, 3 16, 4 2. God referring to his name. And when we talk about his name, we mean God's character and God's reputation. Your name has to do with your identity. Anywhere you, 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 you mention, you know, Sunday, I do, you know. My character, everything about me comes with that name. And so when you talk about the, the spicing God's name, that means you are doing things contrary to his character. That's what it means, defiling his name. Let me run this commentary. When we misbehave and misrepresent God, we dishonor his name. We are spoiling the family's name. Don't forget the Bible says that we are called by his name. I have two daughters. Lois Adu. Doris Adu. Anywhere that name is mentioned, what they do affects me. So if we are called by his name, what we do affects him. When we do what God will never do, we dishonor his name. Because his name is holy, his name is righteous. <coughs> Listen, the revelation that we are called by his name and the consciousness of, consciousness of it is an antidote against iniquity. I want to repeat that statement. The revelation that we are called by his name, not only that, the consciousness of it is an antidote against iniquity. Our fathers will always tell us whenever we want to get out of, you know, home, you know, to school, maybe to college, say, hey, Sunday. Remember the son of whom you are. How many of you have had that? Oh, they spoke that to you too. Uh -huh. <laughs> Remember. 
but, but, but wherever you go, do you remember the son of whom you are? God is holy. So if you want to do something that is unholy, huh, and you remember the son of whom you are, the consciousness of that identity is the antidote against iniquity. You want to raise up your hand and you want to slap your wife and you remember the son of whom you are. Between that action and your remembering, your hand goes to you. <laughs> but when you do, ah! It shows you've forgotten who you are. So in all we do, God deserves our best. If we do not give him our best, we dishonor his name. God, God, said, God, God said there, he said, the cost, but caused be the deceiver. Verse 14. Let me, let me, verse 14. He said, but caused be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I'm a great king, says the Lord, and my name is to be feared among all the nations. In other words, you have the best, but you are giving God the least. It's the sin of the saints. It's the sin of the saints. God said, oh, you, you have the best, the best flock, and you've given me, you know, the one that is maimed, the one that is blind. Say, so it doesn't matter. Is it not for God? It's not, we don't see God. We don't, don't, don't just, is that not what we do? Let me ask you this question. Do you give God your best? What you're giving to God, is that your best? Really? The best of what you have? The best of your time? The best of your money? The best of your talent? The best of your gift? It's the sin of the saints. We give God the least, but we give men the best. The best of your time, but to God, the leftover. So we have to, we have to repent. We have to repent of that sin. When we abuse God's privilege as priests, we are dishonoring his name. Number three. So, never, never, never give God something less than your best. Please help me tell the person by your side and say, never give God something less than your best. Come on, come on, tell the person. What is the first one? What is the first one? Never doubt God's love. All right? Please help me preach the two to the person by your side. We are preaching together today. Come on, let's go. And number two. All right. Never, never give God less than your best. And always remember the child of whom 
you are, that you are called after his name. Number three. The third scene of the saint, profaning God's covenant. Profaning God's covenant. Profaning God's covenant. Malachi chapter 2, 10 to 16. Malachi chapter 2, 10 to 16. Have we not one father as not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? I told them not, not that they, they were doing treacherously against God. They were dealing treacherously with one another as well. By profaning the covenant of the fathers, Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution. Look at that. The Lord's only institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this. Being awake and aware. Look at that. Being awake and aware. Yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, uh -huh. for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take it to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take it to your spirit that you did not deal treacherously. Profaning God's covenant by marrying hidden women, engaging in hypocritical repentance, and divorcing their wives. Like I said, I'm not going to do exegesis today. I'm just going to run commentary, you know, on this based on what the Lord gave to me. Number one, take note of this. One of the sure evidence that a believer is in a basketing state is the state of their home. How they handle their spouses and their children. One of the ways we manifest our salvation is through a healthy relationship in our homes. God said, you have violated my institution. That's the sin of the saints. Uh, they proclaim to be born again, but wicked at home. Wicked. Terrible. Living a double life. Cursing their wives out, cursing their husbands out. But they still speak in tongues. They still teach. They still pray wonderfully. Prayer of decrease. Thus says the Lord. And then they look at the wife and say, you are a fool. Hallelujah. 
double. God said, I'm a witness. God said, I'm a witness. The pastor is not there. Pastor is not there. In fact, you know, after beating your wife, pastor could still call you and say, hey, come and lead prayer. But God said, I'm a witness. What you do to your husband, I'm a witness. He doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that you have, you know, a project going somewhere that, you know, is very, 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 very hidden from him. But I know. I want to repeat that. I'm going to stop at number three. And continue from there. One of the sure evidence that a believer is in a basketing state is the state of their home. Can have it good in the church, but God is measuring your spirituality based on what is going on in your home. How they handle their spouses and their children. One of the ways we manifest our salvation, that we are saved, is through a healthy relationship in our home. It's an oxymoron for us to know that the rate of divorce in the church is greater than that of the world. It's greater. You see Christians, you know, who, who profess to be born again, they say in the heart, they, they are divorcing because of irreconcilable differences. Anything that cannot be reconciled in the kingdom hmm, gives me a concern. God will hold you accountable for how you undo this holy institution. You read it. He said, 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 it's my institution. Marriage is not the institution of man. It is the institution of God. It is not American. It is not African. It is not Asian. It is divine. It is biblical. So what you're watching on TV should not affect your home. What people are saying about the marriage institution should not run your home. Number three. I have three more and I'll get out of your way. Run the institution by God's word and you will have peace. A slight deviation from the word will land you in big trouble. I want to repeat that. I want to repeat that. Run the institution by God's word. It is God's institution. And you will have peace. A slight deviation from the word of God will land you in big trouble. A slight deviation. Hmm. It's a mystery. Wake up, saints. 
can't you see that the reference point in your union is Christ? Not any human? Have you thought about that? It said, submit yourself to one another in the fear of God. Not only that, it said, right, 521, Ephesians, it said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Then he said, husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So unless it is like Christ, we have not started the journey as God has ordained it to be. Who is the reference point in your union? Who is the, who is the, if Christ is the reference point, you won't have the problem you're having now. Said wife, submit as, as the church submits to Christ. Wife, submit. But say, I have a problem with that. Submission is foreign to the world. You can't find it in the world. It's a kingdom thing. So if you find it very difficult to submit, oh no, 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 that submission thing. Ah, I have a problem with it. Then you have a problem with the Bible. You want to write your own Bible? This love thing, I should love, you know, to the extent that I can let go of my life. You can't even let go of your money. Talk less of your life. Your money is so dear to you. Your car is so dear to you that if you're... Ah, ah, don't drive my car. Don't drive don't. Your house is so dear to you. You can't lose it for your wife. You have not started yet. You have not. You're just playing games. If we stay within this book, we won't have any problem. What you need is not counseling. What you need is the Bible. Go and read the Bible and align. Alignment is a powerful thing in the realm of the spirit. You are out of alignment. That is why you are having problems. Have you, have, you, have you ever seen a car out of alignment? Huh? As I conclude this message. Yeah? Huh? Will it go straight? That is, that is what is happening in your home. We thought you were speaking in tongues. Why? Because you are out of alignment. You are out of alignment. You are smarter than the Bible. And that's why your foolishness is parading itself before all to see. I think that is the best place to stop. Yeah, that's it. Let, 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 me, let me now. Let me now. Let me now give you this. 
Maybe you don't know. God is a witness between you and your spouse. God is a witness. Year 2010, I was in Australia for 50 days. I was in Australia for 50 days. I think I've said it before. You know, and uh, I was in Sydney, and um, a Chinese lady just approached me. I said, hey, man, you look good. Yeah, come, come, come to, come to my house. Let's come to my house. I said, to your house? No, 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 no. I think maybe she looked at my hand. She saw no ring there, you know, and uh, said, hey, come to my house. Even though my wife was, you know, many, many miles away, but God is a witness between me and her. Not a ring. Even in front, your wife is still with you. You are, you are pursuing skates all about. Even with your ring. Shining like the star. Stand up, let us, let us go. Let us, let us go. Let's stand up, stand up. Let's, 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 let's stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Uh, what you need is not counseling. What you need is the Bible. Go, go to the Bible. Leave the word. Get into the word. Get into the word. Leave the word. The word will pass away. And all the things thereof. But those that do the will of God shall abide forever. Raise up your two hands and say, Lord, I receive the grace to love you. I receive the grace to give you the best. And I receive the grace to treasure the covenant. Ah, those are the things, those are the things you need. If you are here today, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. Nothing like his love. No greater love. This, this is how you're going to survive in this season. Because it's not going to be better. This is how you're going to survive. Measure everything else that you are going through with his love. Nothing greater. Nothing greater. Nothing greater. You can lose your job. Don't lose him. Don't lose him. And if you, if you retain him, he will give you peace. Even in the midst of that storm. People will look at you. They will think that you, you have everything. They won't, they won't even know that you are going through anything. Because Jesus is there. He's there in the fire with you. And the fire will not burn you. So if you are in church today, you don't know his love. He loves you. Maybe you have been abandoned by your father. You have been abandoned, you know, by, by the people that, you know, should, should, should help you. Come to him. He will never cast you out. Wherever you are, just say, Jesus, either on site or online, just, just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I come, I come, I drop religion. Yeah, I drop religion. I, I, I drop, I drop self-righteousness. 
Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've called myself a believer, but I'm still in sin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in sin. Breaking your heart. Lord, I come back to you. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus, come in. Come in today. Come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I call upon your name. I am saved from sin. I am saved from iniquity. Lord Jesus, I present my life to you as a living sacrifice. Oh, thank you, Lord. If you have said that, all right, you are on a new journey. Journey to his likeness because he loves you with everlasting love. Church, let us raise up our two hands. Everybody, we want to tap into this grace. We want to drop this sin of the saints. We don't want to break the heart of God anymore. We want to say, Lord, I receive the grace to love you. I receive the grace to love you. I receive the grace to love you. I receive the grace to give you the best that you deserve. Oh, Lord, Lord, I will not misrepresent you any longer. Give me the grace to be conscious of my identity. Oh, that I belong to you, that I'm called by your name. Oh, Lord, give me the grace to come into alignment with the covenant, with the word. Oh, thank you, Lord. I give you praise. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that no matter what anyone is going through, Lord, let there be the fresh revelation of your love. The fresh revelation of your love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.